Welcome to the 20th and Blake Street podcast presented to you by Mile High Sports. Making my debut on the Mile High Sports podcasting scene, I am your host, Cade Walker. Before we jump into the topics for today's episode, just wanted to give you all a brief background on myself and where I'm coming from. Uh, I'm a Denver native. I study economics at Metropolitan State University of Denver. Uh, in my journalistic career, I've written for a few different outlets, uh, one of which includes Belly Up Sports, who was able to send me out to the baseball winter meetings in San Diego uh, this last December. Uh, this turned out to be a really, uh, really eventful winter meetings, and one of the more eventful winter meetings in recent memory. I uh, was able to be on the scene for some uh, very important events, such as the Garrett Cole signing, um, the Rule 5 draft, and a few others. Um, after this, I also ran Nuglove, which is the Nuggets division for the uh, fan-sided network. Uh, I ran that for several months as well. Um, so I'll also be hosting a podcast for uh, the Denver Nuggets. Um, so my perspective on baseball is twofold. So I believe that the numbers are a great way to go past what we can see with our eyes, because frankly, we don't see everything. Uh, so I do place quite a bit of stock into the analytics when making evaluations. Um, but at the same time, I've played myself. I still do. Uh, so I've been around many high-level coaches and baseball programs. I'm familiar with technologies used in big league organizations such as Rapsodo, Blast Motion, Diamond Kinetics, etc. Um, I've even played with uh, some high-profile players such as Cole Wynn, uh, top prospect in the Rangers organization. I also play in the same club organization as uh, recent Rockies signee Luke Leisenring. Uh, so there's definitely a couple perspectives that I've been able to see and uh, and witness at, in my baseball career. Um, so there's definitely some things that the numbers may also not catch, but there's a way to find a middle ground. So for the content of this episode, I just wanted to give a little bit more of a discussion to the articles that I wrote this week, um, where I discussed what I believe to be the more important positional battles for the Rockies in this upcoming season. Uh, so from what we can tell from what Bud Black's comments have been, uh, we can deduce that the the two of the three starting outfield spots have been locked down completely by David Dahl and Charlie Blackman. Uh, very reasonable. Um, David Dahl and Charlie Blackman were both all-stars last year. They're both excellent players. Blackman's defense may be a little questionable. Um, there's room for him to DH this season, but I don't think we'll see that uh, to start the season. So for this third outfield spot, it seems like we have four contenders. Uh, and these are Sim Hilliard, Rymel Tapia, Matt Kemp, and uh, more distantly, I think, is Garrett Hampson. Um, so I'm just going to break down what each of these guys bring to the table. So first of which is Sam Hilliard. Um, so he hasn't had a huge enough sample size um, to make a firm conclusion on his defense at the major league level. Um, but Baseball Savant has him uh, at 93rd percentile in sprint speed. Um, and just uh, just by the eye test, he has an absolute cannon. Uh, I mean, mostly major league outfielders have a, have a very solid arm. Uh, but Sam Hilliard's like 6'5", 230 pounds. So he's, he's built um, and he has a very good arm. So I think just by the tools, he has the tools to become an, uh, to be an, uh, an above average defender. Um, so... I think at least that gives him a good baseline um, to roam the, the large and vast outfield of Coors Field. 
At the plate, um, also not a huge sample size, but in his sample size that he uh, that he has had, he has definitely flashed uh, very solid potential. I think this last season, uh, his he had an expected slugging metric above players like Wilson Contreras and Jock Peterson, and just below our, our very familiar players of Nolan Arenado and David Dahl. Uh, so I think at the very least, he's an above-average-to-average defender, as well as an above-average bat at the plate. Uh, he might find himself even in the middle of the lineup at the beginning of the year, uh, just based off of his raw tools. Uh, next, I think we have Primal Tapia. Um, the Rockies have tried to get him going for uh, about two seasons now. Um, I think he, he has flashed some good defensive potential. See, he's, he's an interesting guy when we look at the numbers, right? So, Ultimate zone rating is one of the stats that a lot of people look at to evaluate outfield defense. And Rymel Tapia grades out as a very, very poor defender, um, according to ultimate zone rating. Um, that was kind of curious to me because he's quick and he seems to read the ball fairly well. Um, so I looked at a different metric, and Baseball Savant uh, uses uh, a recently developed uh, metric which combines some tracking data of both the fielder um, and the baseball uh, to uh, have a metric it's called outs above average and Rymel Tapia grades out very well on this one so I, I have my own theory in which ultimate zone rating probably unfairly punishes the outfielders uh, for the Rockies because Coors Field is so vast um, so that's my own personal theory but uh, Rymel Tapia is one case that I think um, is there because uh, in terms of his stat cast stats, Rymel Tapia is in the 87th percentile in outs above average, 79th percentile in, in outfielder jump, and 85th percentile in sprint speed. So, in my opinion, he's an above average defender. The offensive side, however, is another story. Um, he has yet to put it together at the plate. Um, his expected weighted on base average this last season was only in the 8th percentile. Um, his OPS last year was 724, which is not something you like to see, especially hitting a course field. Uh, well, while he grades out as a positive defender, um, in my opinion, m he might not be starter-level material, at least uh, in terms of offense. Now, a lot of Rockies fans were clamoring for the Rockies to sign former Dodgers outfielder Yasiel Puig, and while we didn't sign him, and he just signed with the Braves uh, today as I'm recording this, we did sign another former Dodgers outfielder in Matt Kemp. Uh, see, he's, he's an interesting guy for me. Uh, I looked at his numbers, and his sample size from last season uh, is really small. He only played 20 games, but he did put up a very, very poor uh, WRC+, plus, which is Weighted Runs Created+. Plus of 20, which means he was roughly 80% below league average in his small sample size last season. Um, so it, it, that explains why he didn't wasn't able to find a job uh, until recently. Um, but the season before that, in 2018, he posted a very respectable WRC plus of 122, which means he was about 22% above league average at the plate. But not only that, he was 16th in the MLB that season in expected slugging percentage per baseball savant. That's around players like Aaron Judge and Ronald Acuna, Ronald Acuna Jr. 
So maybe the Ro- the Rockies see some possibility that he returns to form. He has definitely had an excellent career uh, when he's played at Coors Field, playing for the Dodgers for all those years. Um, he uh, he has an OPS of well over a thousand playing at Coors Field, uh, and he uh, also has a very uh, very high level of success against left-handed pitching. So maybe he could u- be used as a bench bat. Um, in my opinion. Um, and in the opinion of essentially everyone uh, who has paid attention to Matt Kemp's career, as well as just looking at the numbers, he's not a good defender. Uh, so in my opinion, with options that we have uh, to play in the outfield, you probably don't want Matt Kemp seeing the field. Maybe he is in consideration um, to be a designated hitter, uh, because maybe there is some salvageability uh, with his bat. Probably not a defensive player at this point in his career, though. So, and then finally, we look at Garrett Hampson, who, again, kind of a distant uh, distant guy for me. Likely a bench utility guy. He can play a lot of positions. He's never been a starter-level bat, um, but he does have the potential to be the best defender. Even as, um, even as my theory stated earlier that ultimate zone rating harms Rockies uh, a little bit more, they unfairly punish them for the vastness of Coors Field, Garrett Hampson does grade out as a positive defender by ultimate zone rating. Um, ironically, though, he's uh, just about average in terms of outs above average from baseball savant, so um, maybe my theory isn't, isn't correct, but um, Hampson's just an interesting guy. Maybe it's skewed because he plays different positions as well. Um, so, But I don't think he's starter-level material, and I think out of these four guys, uh, Hilliard probably has the clear advantage. Um and if you want to give Charlie Blackman some designated hitting time, you throw out uh, Hilliard, Toppy, and Dahl. Um, and I think that's that's a decent level of flexibility that Bud Black has for the outfield spot. Though, on another note, uh, Nick Groke of The Athletic tweeted out today um, that Tapia, Rymel Tapia, has made his end season of goal very clear. <clears throat> they asked him what his, his uh, season goal was. And he said it was to win the MVP. Um, I got a lot of the confidence. My confidence definitely isn't at the same level as his. Um, but, you know, if, if it's a good sign at least that he thinks he can do that. Um, if he turns out an MVP season, yeah, chalk him in as a starter. So, I also, after this, I discussed the fourth outfield spot. Um, and I think... Bud Black is probably on the same page as uh, what I wrote in my article this week. So he went on MLB Radio Network today uh, saying regarding the DH, right now it's looking like Kemp or Murph. Um, Of course, referring to Matt Kemp and Daniel Murphy. So from what I can draw out of this, if Murph plays DH, that really uh, insinuates and implies that Ryan McMahon is going to start at first base. Now, the DH uh, definitely helps the Rockies, probably more so than uh, than other clubs. So with the DH as an option and Ryan McMahon's positional flexibility, it gives Bud Black some options. So if he starts Daniel Murphy as the DH and plays McMahon at first base, that should see a competition at second base between Garrett Hampson and Brennan Rogers. See, uh, so, so far, neither of these players have had terrific showings at the plate um and Brendan Rodgers doesn't even have high enough sample size in the major leagues to even give him a defensive grade 
Um, but obviously, as a top prospect and his scouting grades coming in, he should be a positive defender. Even though converting from shortstop to second base uh, is definitely a more difficult task than uh, than one would assume. Um, but hopefully we can get our top prospect finally in our lineup this year. Um, and that would probably round out the starting lineup pretty well. Uh, so with the last outfield spot and the fourth infield spot uh, taken care of, we're going to take a break here. And then after the break, we're going to come back to you discussing the end of the pitching rotation as well as rounding out the bullpen. Something that I mentioned uh, in my writing this week was that Dick Monfort, owner of the Rockies, seemed very convinced that the team was going to make a playoff push this year. If that's the case, uh, the Rockies definitely need some sort of solution at the back end of the starting rotation. So right now the top three is very clear. It looks like John Gray, Herman Marquez uh, are the top two, undoubtedly. Um, they had decent seasons last year. Uh, hopefully they'll improve on them this year. Third should be uh, locked in Kyle Freeland. He had a very, very mediocre year this past year. He had a down year. Um, but the year before, he was excellent. So hope, hopefully he can bounce back. Um, and that's the hope that the Rockies are um, banking on, certainly, with him. In addition to that... Um, the back end of the rotation last year was a bit of a mess. Um, we had Jeff Hoffman, Senzatella, Chi Gonzalez, Peter Lambert, and even uh, players like Tim Melville making spot starts here and there. Um, in a 60-game season, the back end of the rotation, I think, would become even more important. Because if you look at the Rockies' schedule, they hardly take any off days. This makes those games... Uh, much more important and much more um, valuable in terms of trying to win those games uh, when you're throwing your four and five starter out there. Uh, so the players I just listed are basically what the Rockies have to work with so far this um, this year. Not Tim Melville, he's not going to play, um, but uh, they need to pick two out of the four to round out a five-man rotation. Um, the four being... Chichi Gonzalez, Peter Lambert, Antonio Sensatella, and Jeff Hoffman. Uh, at first glance, this might be a little bit of a grim situation. But at second glance, yeah, it's still not great. But there may be something to salvage here. So I think that uh, that two of these guys probably at least can eat some innings and... Uh, they can salvage some of those games at the back end of the rotation, the four and five. Um, so Senzatella personally is who I think has the highest upside uh, of this season. In terms of batted ball profile, all four of these players were in the 11th percentile in opponent expected weighted on base average, um, the, the 11th percentile or below. Uh, so I think we had 11, 8, 4, and 1 
um, out of these four. Um, Senzatella, okay, so in terms of Senzatella's batted ball profile, it was ugly, um, but he has definitely had stretches of success in years past. So in this last year, Senzatella's strikeout rate, hard hit rate, and opponent expected weighted on base average were in the 1st percentile, 4th percentile, and ninth percentile, respectively. Uh, that's per baseball savant. So this doesn't really look good for him, but there's a reason why he's my favorite guy out of this group. First of all, his competition isn't much better, um, if at all. You could make an argument for Chichi Gonzalez and, or maybe even Peter Lambert just because of his prospect status. But I think Senzatella um, has a little bit more of a chance to make an immediate change and have an immediate improvement as soon as this season. So pitching coach Steve Foster for the Rockies, he seemed very optimistic about that in a discussion that he had with Purple Row. Um, he said, quote, It was the things done behind the scenes last year at the end of the season that he stuck with through the offseason and came into spring training with. His velocity is up, his breaking pitches are, sh are sharper, and the rap Soto tells me that his numbers have increased in spin rate and vertical. He's just gotten better. He's already done well. End quote. Uh, this this is good news for him. Um, so Sensatella has, he's always had decent velocity. Um, he could definitely stand to improve on that velocity. Uh, but in terms of his stat cast profile, his fastball has always been pretty flat. Doesn't really have a lot of movement on it. Doesn't have a lot of spin on it. And that's part of the reason why he gets hit a little bit. Um, so if the, it's a good sign that the Rockies are using the Rapsoda technology. They, they have been for a few years. Um, it's good that they're putting it to use. Um, driveline Baseball has been pioneers into the um, this side of the analytics. Um, so it's good to see that Senzatella has been uh, working on his, his pitches and his spin rate and his spin efficiency. Um, this type of development was the reason that Adam Ottavino went from uh, run-of-the-mill reliever to one of the best relievers in the game um, later in his Rockies tenure, and now he's uh, doing very well in New York. So um, Senzatella, before the end of last season, had a very limited repertoire of his fastball slider and changeup, and he didn't really use his changeup at all. Um, so it was basically a two-pitch combo of a fastball and slider. Now near the end of last season, he incorporated a curveball, now, while the uh, baseball savant metrics didn't really like his curveball very much, had his curveball spin rate at about 14th percentile, um, it was a good indication that he actually started to use a different pitch. Um, and he saw a little bit more success with it. Um, the last uh, the last few starts of the season, he dropped his, his year-long ERA of about 6 to about 4, uh, 4.5. And, um, and 4.5, while it's not necessarily ideal, it's pretty decent for a back uh, back of the rotation starter. So if Sensatella can keep that up, um, he also showed out really well in spring training. He only pitched a few innings, um, but his curveball looked a lot better than than it did even last season, um, in my opinion. And he definitely uh, was up there in velocity. Uh, so I think he has made some some tangible improvements from last season. I think he has it in him to become a capable back-of-the-rotation starter. I mean, he's also only 25. So, um, you know, I think I think he has room to improve. Um, 
And regarding the, the spin rate on his fastball, in a very thin-aired Coors Field, maximizing the spin rate on a fastball is definitely one of the more essential things. Uh, players like, like John Gray and Herman Marquez definitely have good fastball spin, um, and it's very effective at avoiding barrels. Um, so that's that's why I like Sensatella um, back there. Out of the three remaining guys, they all have some sort of appeal. Um, Chichi Gonzalez, just based on the pure expected weighted on base average numbers, Chichi is the best, even though he was still only in the 11th percentile. Um, sorry, 12th percentile. Uh, even though he was in the 12th percentile there, his average exit velocity and barrel rate for the opponents fell into the 72nd and 78th percentile, respectively. So he was at least dodging barrels pretty well. Um... I think this has a little bit more to do with his command than it does to do with him being hit. He's still definitely a below-average starter in MLB. He could probably eat innings at the back of a rotation. Um, if he makes any meaningful improvements this offseason, uh, I think eating innings at the back of rotation for Chi-Chi will definitely be a decent role for him. So I think these these are my two picks personally to fill out the back of the uh, rotation of Senzatel and Chi-Chi Gonzalez. Um, but the remaining two with Peter Lambert and Jeff Hoffman both definitely present something that I think could be valuable. So Rockies fans have an affinity for Peter Lambert because he had an exciting debut last season. He had a very solid first couple games. Um, he, he's a pretty decent hitter for a pitcher, but, uh, unfortunately that doesn't matter anymore. He is the longest, uh, or the youngest player on this list by a pretty decent amount. He's 23. Next youngest is Sensatel at 25. Um, so he's still closer to prospect status than the others. So reasonable assumption would mean that this means he has more upside than the others um, and more room to grow. So even though, um, even with performance metrics though, based on last season, he doesn't seem like he would be better than either Senzatella or Chi-Chi. Um, so last year he pitched about 20 more innings than Chi-Chi Gonzalez, but he accounted for less war um, and higher fielding independent pitching, uh, which is essentially like an isolated ERA stat. So he does have more room to improve, mostly in actually striking out batters. He was in the first and third percentile in whiff rate and strikeout rate last year. Um, so he actually needs to be able to put batters away if he wants to find success at the major league level. Um, but he did show flashes of potential early in his first couple of debuts, or his his debut in his first couple of starts. But I think if the Rockies want to make a playoff run, Lambert might be better off as a spot starter, emergency starter, long reliever um, on a 30-man roster. He'll have a spot on the roster, but I don't think he should be in the regular five-man rotation. Um, finally, Hoffman. Fringe candidate here. Um, final piece of the infamous Tulowitzki trade. So he's 27. Um, he's an electric fastball. And a curveball with a really high spin rate. It's still confusing to me. Well, it's not confusing, but it's um, it's just unfortunate that he has the tools so far to be an effective pitcher. Um, but he hasn't put it together, and he's not he hasn't been effective at the major league level. So he has, um, 
a lot of hypothetical ability, very enticing velocity, fastball spin and curveball spin, like I said. But um, the results of his fastball haven't haven't looked great at all. Um, his fastball last season was hit um, at a rate. Uh, let's see, his expected weighted on base average for his fastball last year was 465. Uh, that's roughly around the expected weighted on base average of like really high end like hitters like like Yasmani Grandal, um, Juan Soto, like players players in that range. Uh, um, you don't want your fastball outcome to be looking like that. Um, and he hasn't really seemed to adjust any of his pitches recently. He started using his curveball more last year, um, and that was absolutely his most effective pitch. Um, but I, I don't think he worked it in um, sequence very well, and his fastball should move, but theoretically, but he doesn't uh, place it well. So his command is definitely still lacking. Um, while it's very good to see that his curve developed, he still didn't have a good year overall. Um, so maybe he, this is probably his last run with the Rockies this season. He has no more minor league options. Um, so if he doesn't quite come out of the gate, the gate with the greatest stuff, the Rockies will keep him around as a deep bullpen piece, an emergency starter type guy. Um, but hopefully they can put together those tools and figure him out because he definitely has enticing ability. It's just probably not on the horizon um, and not as soon as this year. Um, so I think that's that's what we have in terms of the starting rotation. Um, so my personal guys are Antonio Sensatella and Chichi Gonzalez. Um, that's who I think, based on the numbers, based on the improvements that um, pitching coach has discussed this offseason, I think those two give the Rockies the best chance to win the most games uh, when on the days that they throw their four and five guys. To complete the pitching staff, Bud Black is going to need to whittle down a bullpen. Uh, bullpen has been a sore subject for the Rockies the past couple of years. Spent quite a bit of money on uh, some names that haven't really produced nearly to the level uh, of contract that we gave them. But fortunately, we do have some guys that I think could be effective in the bullpen this year. Um so according to Thomas Harding, uh, writer at MLB.com for the Rockies, the for sure spots in the pen that have been grabbed are Wade Davis, Scott Oberg, Jairo Diaz, Carlos Estevez, and Tyler Kinley. Um, I think that makes sense. Um, Davis has had a long career as an effective closer. He was even effective last year uh, outside of Coors Field. Oberg was obviously fantastic and took over the closer role for the tail end of the season. Um, Jairo Diaz and Carlos Estevez, high-velocity guys, uh, and they've done pretty well. Uh, Tyler Kinley definitely uh, adds some decent depth as well in the bullpen. To to complete a regular eight-man bullpen, obviously it's going to be different because of the 30-man roster, um, but I think Bud Black will still probably run with eight typical guys. Uh, Brian Shaw and Jake McGee will definitely have roster spots as well. Um, yeah, I don't see either of them improving meaningfully at this point. Um, hopefully, and my my personal guy in the bullpen is Yency Almonte. 
Uh, I think that he has good stuff. He has a good arsenal. I think he'll be effective middle uh, middle relief guy. Hopefully he'll get a regular shot. Uh, so at this point, so far I've only mentioned one lefty arm, and that's Jake McGee. If you only have one lefty arm in your pen, and that's Jake McGee, you might have a problem. Um, so I think to round out the pen in terms of arms, the Rockies will end up going with James Pazos and Philip Deal. Both of them had great spring training performances. Philip Deal hasn't really pitched um, at a high level for an extended period of time, but he has the stuff too. He might be a decent one-inning guy. Uh, every once in a while, lefty specialist. Uh, obviously, with the three batter minimum, might be seeing a little bit less lefty specialist use. Uh, but I think Deal has the ability to at least cover an inning. Out of these two, though, I think James Pazos probably has the more likely case to be the primary lefty arm out of the bullpen. In his last full season in 2018, um, he had a fastball velocity in the 65th percentile, opponent barrel percentage 55th percentile, opponent expected weighted on base average in the 66th percentile, opponent expected slugging in the 71st percentile. So he has uh, good tools. His stat cast profile is great. Um, didn't really pitch as much last year, um, only through about 10 innings. Um, still did okay. Uh, ran about uh, a 1.06 walks and hits per innings pitch, which... Uh, pretty good showing for a relief pitcher from the left side. So I think he's probably your primary lefty arm out of the bullpen. Uh, but I do still think the deal has some potential. Probably a developmental year for him, though, most likely. Uh, so I think with that, we round out the bullpen. And we round out the starting staff. So I think that's where we're at in terms of the positional battles for the Colorado Rockies. Um, so I'd like to thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the 20th and Blake Street podcast from Mile High Sports. It's your host, Cade Walker. Uh, thanks again for listening.